Okay, guys, welcome back. Another podcast we're going to jump right into. Um, going to use a couple questions that I just got, and I'm playing catch-up on Facebook messages. I am I'm less than a month out. I'm actually less than a couple weeks out. I'm, I'm back to, in responses, I'm uh, looking at it right now. It looks like I'm caught up to mid-November, so I'm only eh, two to three weeks out. Ooh, I'm digging back here actually uh i'm a little further than that i'm first week in november uh so yeah Ooh, i'm a little deeper than that even so i'm going to spend a little more time here i'm in i am the month of october um so i've got some i've got some uh some some catching up to do we're going to jump on right away with some questions uh that just came in recently it's a really easy one says, hi, Jeremy, I'm reaching out to get your advice on crate training and kennel training. We'll be bringing our lab puppy home in a few weeks at six weeks old, and we plan to crate train her just like we did our 11-year-old lab. I just can't remember if you let the pup out to potty in the middle of the night. I've watched your puppy training video, and I'm gathering that we ignore the night crying and whining and deal with any accidents in the morning. Just trying to get a game plan and set new addition to the family up for success one step at a time. Glad you sent the question early because it's absolutely not the way I would handle it. You cannot allow that puppy to have accidents at night. So the first, so I don't, I ignore whining and crying when we put the puppy in and know that the dog does not have to go out. So absolutely not expecting a dog to make it through the night for first few weeks. Um, and you're bringing a puppy home even younger than normal. So if you're bringing it home at six weeks, typically seven to eight weeks is usually when most of these puppies go home. We send ours home around seven, um, between seven and eight weeks. I don't mind eight weeks. I don't like it earlier than seven. Um, so if you're at six weeks, that's even earlier. So you're going to have an extra week of it. And the reason I say it is because I don't think that physically the dogs are even capable of handling truly holding on to having to go to the bathroom. Now, I do think that they want to do everything in their power to not make a mess where they sleep, and you need to take advantage of that. So at six, when you bring this puppy home, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, however old it is, hopefully one of the things that the kennels can do that will really help you out is if they set their whelping boxes and their puppy pens up so that the puppies have a, a quiet, safe, clean place to sleep. And then when they get up, they can actually leave that area and go to the bathroom. It's very simple to do it's by simply separating the whelping box so that they can sleep in one end and go to the bathroom on the other side. And they'll tr start to housebreak themselves. Now that's nature, that's natural. They don't wanna mess where they sleep. If you don't set it up that way and you have them in an area where they can't really get away from where they're sleeping and they'll have an accident there and go to the bathroom, then all of a sudden they become accepting of it and they go, it's okay for me to sleep where I, where I do my business. Not what we want to do. It makes our job a lot harder when it comes to crate training them, when it comes to housebreaking them. So when you bring that puppy home, yes, you are going to get up every time that dog wakes up and cries, you need to be there and you need to get them out instantly because they're going to go to the bathroom right away. And you need to get them outside so that they don't have that accident. That means that's one of the reasons where you're going to use a small kennel or crate to start out with. Because you want to make it so that they don't have the opportunity 
to go down to one end of it and go to the bathroom and sleep on the other end of it and not make a fuss. You want them to get up and go, I got to go, make a little noise, get them outside. Now, once you take them outside and they go to the bathroom, you bring them back in, you put them back in the crate because it's middle of the night. You know they don't have to go. They just went. So you put them back in there. I cover the crate. That helps them settle in, tends to help them settle in. And as soon as they're falling asleep, now this might be where you invest in a good pair of earplugs because they could cry for a long time. They could scream bloody murder for a long time. So we're going to let them tire themselves out. They're going to fall asleep and they might fall asleep for 10 minutes. It might be quiet for 10 minutes, but they might have whined for the last hour. So as soon as they're quiet, that resets the button. They sleep for 10 minutes, they get back up and they start whining. You're down there and you're letting them outside and they're probably going to go to the bathroom. And so I give them, I even give them a chance where if I take them outside and they go to the bathroom, I put them back in. This is once they start to settle into the kennel. When you put them back in the kennel, if they're quiet for 15, 20 minutes and then they whine again, I let them back out because they went to the bathroom last time. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you might have to go to the bathroom. So take you outside. If they go to the bathroom again, I put them back in and I say, you get another freebie. Next time you whine, you, once you settle down, next time you whine, you're going back out. If, if they're whining every 10 minutes and we're letting them out, they're starting to train us to let them out every 10 minutes because they whined if they don't have to go to the bathroom. So what I do is I give them that one strike. So as long as they go to the bathroom, I'll let them out the next time. It's what happens. It's when I let them out, they go to the bathroom, I let them back in, put them back in their kennel. They whine, I take them outside and they don't go to the bathroom. They just want to play. Then I put them back in the kennel and I go, nope, now you're in. You don't have to go. You're So now we, we suck it up. We let them fall asleep. We make them have a little more significant amount of time in the kennel. When they get back up, I'm letting them back out and they're going to go to the bathroom. Now, the other thing that you need to incorporate, like, so this is, you're going to approach this from lots of different angles. That's like your routine. That's the way you're going to handle them whining and fussing in, in the kennel. I would rather err on the side of getting them outside and not having them go than thinking, eh, I don't think they have to go. And then they have an accident because I, the last thing you want is the dog to mess in the kennel. Because then they're going to stop giving you even warning. And they'll just accept the idea of I'm going to poop and pee where I sleep. And that's real hard to overcome. So the other thing that you need to do is get the routine down with food and water. And so it, there's, there's structure that's necessary so that you can understand when they eat, when they drink, they're going to have to pee, they're going to have to poop. And you can control what goes in, what comes out based on what goes in. So your feeding times are going to be very set twice, three times a day, whatever you decide to do, you need to be consistent with it. You can literally figure out their routine of when and how often they're going to poop. Because you feed them, they're going to go. You feed them, they're going to go. So I feed them in the morning. I give them enough time to realize that it's going to some dogs. Some dogs will poop within five minutes of when they eat. Some dogs will take an hour. It just, and most are in between. But you'll after a few days of consistency, you'll start. the dog will tell you, what the routine is going to be. Same thing in the evening. So you got to structure your feeding time with enough time before you plan on going to bed so that you can get, let them get do their business and get emptied out. When it comes to water, same thing. We're not going to give them big drinks in the evening. Or you can, but you're going to be up all night long with them. So I 
think there's a fine line with, I don't give them free water, I don't give them free food. It's structured. I think there's a fine line with the water to make sure they're not dehydrated. That's how we get urinary tract infections and can run into issues if we're not giving them enough water. So there's a real fine line of how much is enough water during the day with frequency of being able to let them out in with routine. So it's there's there's a little bit of art to crafting those first few weeks. And then once you get through those first few weeks, let's say you get from eight weeks to 12 weeks. With you, it's going to be six weeks, 12 weeks. So it's an extra six weeks, which is a significantly longer time. But you're going to have to do that. Once you get to that point, then they get to the point where they can start holding it a little bit. And then we get to have the ability that we don't have to worry so much about the accident part of it. You still have to be smart about it because I have dogs that are completely housebroken. I mean, they haven't had accidents for ever. But if I give them real big drinks or feed them and don't let them out before I kennel them or tell them to go to bed for the night, my older dogs don't even kennel. They just go lay on their beds. My youngest one, Bella, that we're training, she still goes in her crate. If I feed them in the evening and don't let them out like we do every single night before we go to bed, they will have an accident in my house because I wrecked their routine. I created them and now... They, if, if that's if I don't, if it goes too long and they don't have a chance to go. So you can screw up an old dog if you, if you make it impossible. If you say, hey, drink all this water and you don't get to go to the bathroom, you're going to wet the bed. Like it's the way it is. That's, that's how it's going to work. So we have to be careful with that. Um, so review your, vi- your puppy video. You said you had the puppy video. Review that. That chap, there's a chapter in there on housebreaking. There's also a chapter in there. And that we talk about the routine more than anything. There's also a chapter in there about how we're going to kennel them and crate them. And that are two. those are two different things. The whining and the fussing doesn't get rewarded to get out to, to be rewarded with. You can come out now. But the potty, potty training part of it, the housebreaking part of it, that's a totally separate issue. So they have to be dealt with separately. Um, it's a good question. Uh, here is one. Now this, we're going to shift gears. Ben, how many minutes are we into this one? 10 minutes. we got time. So this is a total shift of gears. It's another question on Facebook. But it says, Jeremy, I'm in need of some advice. My puppy is wanting to blow past me when coming back on a memory or a mark to retrieve. She comes back so fast she has trouble stopping. And when she gets past me, she circles once or twice before coming in for a delivery. We've been through hold conditioning. She has no problem holding it. Doesn't ever drop it and delivers it nicely when I do hold, hear, heel, sit at close range. And even marks at close range where she doesn't build up enough speed to run past me. When she doesn't build up enough speed to deliver past me, she delivers it perfect. The problem is when we do further marks, she's coming back at such a high rate of speed. She runs past me and makes a circle once or twice before coming into heel. I've been using a fence to slow her down. That works great. When there's no fence, the same problem continues. I've used a place board and that helps out as well. But then there's no place board, the same thing happens. It's almost like she's playing a game of keep away for a short period of time before she comes in. She always brings it back to me, but but I will. She always brings it back to me, but I'm was a perfect crisp deliver. I want. I think he says. I think he meant to say I want a perfect crisp deliver, and just not sure what to do. Not sure if I'm explaining this good enough. I need, but I need some advice. So here's here's the thing. There's a couple of things in that one. A you said that she's been through hold conditioning and she has no problem holding, delivering, or dropping. 
She delivers it nicely to hold when when you do hold here, heel, sit, or at close range. Hold conditioning isn't doesn't just like I think people hear hold conditioning, they go, well, that just means she holds on to it. No. Hold conditioning is the process to delivery. So that means picks it up, hangs onto it, carries it to you, and delivers it the way you want. Which is so so you've been through hold conditioning, but you haven't. You have part of it. You haven't completely because you've got an issue that is part of the problem. When she's out too far, she doesn't deliver. That's that's That means that hold is the fix for that. So what you need to do is start adding distance to it, incrementally making it bigger. You've mastered it on a real small scale. Well, that can be said about anything. That's like, yeah, that would be like healing off lead in a very controlled setting in a closed off garage. She does really good, but she won't heal well out in an open field. Does that mean that she knows how to heal good off lead? Yeah, in certain situations. But when you add layers of distraction and temptation and environmental changes, that those are stronger than the behavior. So that means she doesn't have it. So your hold is good in real small situations. When you get into bigger situations, it's not good enough. The outside situations are stronger than the behavior. So it's not done. So the good news is, is you're started, you're not finished. So just finish it. So the idea of using the fence is a great idea. That's what I would recommend. Dog wants to run past you, use the fence. But you And you said it works really good. But then as soon as the fence is gone, it doesn't do it anymore. Same with the place, re, re, recalling or having the dog come back to a place, a place board. That will work good when the place board's there, but not when it's not. So what it's telling me is, is you've got the fixes. You're not doing them consistently enough to change the behavior. You need to do it more. You need to do it longer until that dog doesn't know any other option. Doing it once or twice, good with a fence on your back, but then you take the fence away and the dog runs past you, tells me, go back to the fence. If you do something good once or twice, three, four, five, ten times, twelve times, fifteen times, and the sixteenth time it doesn't, when as soon as you change the variable, what is the what is the part of that equation that's changed? You took the fence away. What happened? You took the fence away. The behavior changed. So what is helping to shape that behavior? The fence. Put the fence back until the behavior becomes so ingrained, so habitual that the dog doesn't know any other action. And then when you slowly take the fence away, don't take the fence away completely. Move forward five yards so that the fence isn't, so that you're not backed up to the fence. Put five yards between you and the fence. See if that is, an, if an, is enough. So when the dog comes in visually, it sees the fence. Does the dog slow nicely and come to your front and deliver? Or does the dog go flying by you at five yards? If he does at five yards, you didn't do it long enough. Take a step back and go do it longer. Make it three yards. See what the dog does. Does the dog go by you at three yards? Then make it two. Then make it one. Then you're back to the fence if the problem is. Because if you're back, if the dog continues to have the same symptom, you're not doing the remedy long enough. Habits are formed by repetition and consistency. Do something long enough, consistently enough, repeatedly the same way the dog will, will change its behavior. You got to do it longer. Same with the placemat. I think the placemat is a nice variable, nice variation to it. I would start with one and get that, then go to the next, then to the next. The distance, you said for relatively short retrieves, the dog does good. So what is the distance? Find out what the distance is 
where that the wheels come off because that's the breaking point. So you're good out to, let's say, 10 yards, but at 15 yards, the dog runs past you, go from 10 to 11 yards. And if the dog runs past you at 11, go back to 10 and continue there until the dog never runs by you at 10. And maybe that's incorporating these other tactics, the fence, the place board, whatever you got it. You, you are, you have gone too far too quickly and you've gotten half results or a portion of the results that you need to continue to move for, before moving forward. And you just move forward without having the, 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 the solidifying results, the 100% for sure. So go back get that and then take one step forward instead of two or ten and then if you take one step and it's really good do it there over and over and over and over again until you're a hundred percent confident and then take another step forward in the process so you're you're on the right route you know the answers you haven't done them enough you haven't done them long enough and if you said man i've been doing it for weeks keep doing it weeks is nothing Keep doing it. And if, you, if you're doing it for years and it doesn't change, there's something wrong. You're doing something wrong. But it does take time. So that, that 100%, you know the answers. You just got to do them. And be patient and be accepting of the fact that it's going to take time. Now, if, if, if you, when I say patience, I mean literally be patient and do it consistently, but also without frustration, because there could be a lot. That's that. It sounds so simple. These fixes sound so simple. My question is: Is there something else going on? Is there frustration on your end when the dog runs by and you getting upset, hollering at, grabbing a hold of, you know, do, doing something where you're creating maybe more stress on the dog or more issues? I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm asking, but if that kind of stuff happens, that makes it that. That's another layer of difficulty that the dog has to get over and get past so be patient when the dog comes running by you take a real deep breath and go thousand one thousand two thousand three get the dog to you deliver it take it away and go don't do that again i'm saying that to you not the dog don't do that same setup because you just saw it didn't work change the setup to make sure it works every time Put the training, it's like putting training wheels back on. It's like if you're riding a bike and you keep falling off and you keep falling off and you keep falling off, you can be stubborn about it and go, I'm just going to keep going until I get it. And maybe you end up with no skin left on your knees because of it. And then maybe you have to stop because you can't continue to go forward. Or you can say, you know what? I'm not quite ready for it, but I'm close. So if I put a training, the training wheels back on the bike... I can get, I can, I can actually ride the bike. It's, I'm not riding the bike 100%, but at least I'm moving positively and not taking skin off my knees. And you can start practicing the motion of the balance and you can start tipping it and teetering it a little bit so that maybe your challenges so that you can ride without the training wheel actually touching the ground. Because, you know, if the training wheels are on the bike and you, you're riding down, but they're not actually touching the ground, you are kind of riding the bike. Now, the training wheels are there in case something goes a miss but you're a lot closer so then maybe you can start to talk about thinking about I, i'm doing this perfect I, I every time i ride it now the training wheels don't touch the ground i'm going to try taking the training wheels off 
or I'm going to take one off. Slowly, incrementally get to the point where you feel confident enough and you're mentally in the place where you're calm enough and cool enough that if things start to not go so well, we don't panic. We don't get upset. We don't holler at the dog and take the dog back even further. We just say, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, come here, here, hold, hold, take the dummy, go back, go back to the beginning. So I think you're close. I think you uh, need more consistency, more repetition, more habit forming to overcome the behavior. Uh, that's it. Ben got up. We're right at our time. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. It's a perfect little little podcast. We got two questions out of it. Guy's name was Drake. Drake, I'm going to send you a message, uh, let you know that we just recorded a podcast on it. It should go live here shortly. So thank you guys for all your support. Please continue to um, subscribe if you're not subscribed. Share it with someone. Share the podcast with someone that you think it might help. Um, and, and if you can leave us a review, that's huge for us. Um, you know, not only on like the podcast, but if you bought our stuff, if you've bought our products and used our products, if you've watched our videos, if you've any of our stuff that you purchased, if you could and would do me a favor, leaving reviews mean way more than you realize for small businesses. Like, I, especially I'm, I'm a little more um, exposed to it now with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday, all this stuff that we've just gone through in the last couple of days. I do recognize and realize how important it is for small businesses, big businesses too, but small businesses in particular when it comes to customers these days shopping because we have different we have different habits. We're online doing a lot of stuff these days for multiple reasons. Um, the reviews mean the world to small businesses like ours. It's the most valuable marketing we can have. Um, so if you've if you have had some success, if you've enjoyed some of the stuff that we're that we are offering, um, I'd, I'd ask you if you wouldn't make. But if you would take the time to leave some positive reviews and not just for our stuff, I would ask you to do that for anything you've bought. Um, maybe make a, maybe make that a thing this week. Um, think of something that you purchased recently that you liked their customer service, that you liked the product, that you thought there was value in it and leave those people a review, positive one. Um, it means a lot and you don't necessarily realize how much you can impact positively um, on people like us. But, and there's so many of us out there. Uh, a lot of you listening probably are in the same boat, maybe just in a different industry. But um, So I appreciate your support. I can't thank you enough for, for giving us the time um, and listening. And, and leaving reviews helps us understand a little bit on what we're doing well and how we can get better. So we appreciate it. 